thank you for inviting me again. It's a, a great honour and privilege to be here on your special day with the induction of George and welcoming formally his family. And uh, we're looking forward to coming this afternoon as well, although you won't have to listen to me again. Um, but we've been invited and it'll be lovely to join you. When I was first invited, it was actually before uh, this afternoon was even in the diary. But as I've been uh, thinking and praying about this morning, I thought it would be totally wrong of me to actually talk about uh, how a minister should operate in a church. Because every church tradition has different ways of doing things. And certainly it would be quite wrong of me to talk about how you work as a church denomination. But what really struck me out of those thoughts, and what I want to really emphasise this morning, is that actually the church is not George. He's not, your minister is not the church. Whether you call him a vicar or a minister or a pastor or a priest, he or she is not the church. You are. Every single one of you here this morning. You are the church. And that's the message I want to bring to you this morning. I want to read to you some verses from Matthew 9 and 10. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He called his twelve disciples together and gave them authorities to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Sadius. Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely 
you have received, freely give. This section of Matthew's Gospel is quite a way into Jesus' ministry. The disciples who have been hanging out with him have witnessed his multifaceted approach to declaring the good news of the kingdom, both in word and in deed. They've witnessed opposition from those who were offended by Jesus' non-religious message. And now Jesus has decided it's time for them to, as it were, have a go. But notice how that has come about. As so often, Jesus sees a need and he's moved by compassion. In the Greek, the word compassion relates to our guts, to our bowels. It's a deep sense of something needs to be done. And that's what actually drew me to this passage. It, what it was that Jesus saw that drew this compassion from deep within his being. And it drew me because the description of the sheep, of the people, was not a million miles away from what our nation is experiencing at the moment. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Need I mention the B word, Brexit? Or the new P word, which we're all looking up in our dictionaries to find out what it means, the proroguing of Parliament. Not to mention the wholesale decline of moral values in our society today, the multiple definitions of marriage, of gender, of the idea that women can have an abortion just because their child is an inconvenience, euthanasia, I don't want to go on because I, that's not my emphasis this morning. I don't want a doom and gloom sermon. My emphasis is what was Jesus' response to this harassed and helpless people? It was to turn to his disciples and say, the harvest is plentiful. Whenever the Lord looks upon the mess that we make of society, he's not a God who rushes to judgment. He's not a God who wants to repeat the great flood of Genesis. He's a God who wants to bring hope, to bring good news, to show an alternative way of living. Instead of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of heaven. 
he sees a harvest, not destruction. But how is he going to bring about this harvest? As God, he could do it in a sort of supernatural way, sort of Star Wars way. But no, he has chosen it to do it in a different way. He's chosen to do it through a multitude of harvest workers. And guess who they are? Look to your neighbour right now and say, you are a harvest worker. Every single one of you in this church this morning, we are all meant to be harvest workers. Not just George. Yeah? It's not up to him to be the harvest... Sorry, he's over there, isn't he? Where is he? Sorry, he's over the back. Well, anyway, he's out there. He's not the harvest worker. He's one of them. We are all called to be harvest workers. But I tell you, there's not enough of us, is there? There's not enough of us. Part of the reason there's not enough of us is because we don't recognise that we are harvest workers. But even then, there's not enough of us. So what does Jesus say? He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray. And I'm sure you've often heard that it said that often when we pray, we are the answer to our prayer. So when we pray for more harvest workers, don't think, I want her to be a harvest worker. I'm going to pray that she's going to be a harvest worker or he's going to be a harvest worker. Pray looking in a mirror. Lord, make me a harvest worker. That's why in this passage that I read to you, many of you will know that until the 16th century, some of us here remember it, but until the 16th century, the Bible didn't have the divisions of chapters and verses that we're so familiar with. So there was no gap between the end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10. So when Jesus says, pray the Lord of the harvest, it's, there's no gap before he turns around and said, come on, you're the answer to the prayer. So we are to be the answer to the prayer. That's my main point this morning. There is a harvest out there amongst all the harassed people who have all sorts of difficulties, problems, social relationships, mental issues, people who feel extremely lonely and vulnerable. They're all 
in the Lord's eyes ripe for harvest because he has the answer. He is the answer. And that's the main point I want you each to remember this morning. Every one of us. Now we're going to have different roles in that harvest. We're not going to all be the same, playing the same part. Perhaps it may be few of us who actually see the harvest brought into the barn, as it were. We may not be those who actually have the amazing privilege of leading somebody to the Lord and hearing them pray the prayer. But we will each play our part. And how will we do it? Well, look at what the commission was that Jesus gave to those disciples. I think it's very interesting that Matthew lists those first 12. We know that later Luke tells us Jesus sent out another 70-odd. But I think one of the reasons he lists these 12 is if you know anything about them, they were a motley bunch. They were actually just as a mixed up bunch as most of us are. There were all sorts. There was the big loud mouthed Peter. There was Thomas who doubted everything. There was Matthew, a tax collector. And there was even one among them who sadly in the years ahead would be the one who betrayed Jesus. You see, Jesus doesn't look for super clever people, doesn't look for people who've got lots of letters after their name and have got public fame. He takes ordinary men and women and he commissions them. As he's commissioning each of you afresh this morning to do what? As you go... Preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. In other words, you are to be like Jesus. That's what he did. That's what he did. He declared the good news of the kingdom in what he said and what he did and who he was, the way he treated people. But many of you will be sitting here this morning thinking, yes, but I can't preach. I haven't been called to preach. But allow me to just change Jesus' words a little bit. I did ask, and I didn't get a bolt of lightning, so I think it's all right. As you go, testify. Share what Jesus is to you, and that God is near.
We don't need to preach. We are the message. Do you see, that's why it's all for us. That's why all of us can be harvest workers by the way we live our lives, by our compassion. You see somebody, you may not know them, but you have a deep sense in your heart that there's something wrong. Perhaps they look a bit, it's difficult to describe, but you sense it. They look a bit um, uncertain, or they look a bit sad, or they, they look a bit down. And you just have a kind word. You don't want to know the history of everything that's wrong with them, but you can perhaps just say, I just said you're, you're a bit unhappy at the moment. Has something happened? Perhaps you're not feeling well. Whatever it is, that's all that compassion is. It's not something we have to work up. Jesus never worked up compassion. He saw a need and his gut said, we need to do something. Might by our testimony. It hasn't happened enormous times, but I remember the very first time a lady said to me many, many years ago in a little group which I was in before there was Alpha. And this lady said to me, I want what you've got. She recognised something in me. She said, I want what you've got. And I was just able to share a little bit. On Friday, somebody, we just got to know literally over the last two or three years at the bus stop. We invited her for a cup of tea on Friday afternoon. And we were just telling our story. She shared something of her story, but we were telling her our story. And we were telling her how, when I was about to retire from being a vicar, and we were selling our house that had been rented while I was a vicar, so that we could buy a new house when we retired. The Lord gave Jenny the price we were going to get for that house. And long story short, the people who really wanted it, they went to our estate agents and they offered a price for it. And he said, no, that's far too low. And in one step, they upped the price £25,000 in their offer, which took it to exactly what the Lord had given Jenny as what we were going to get for it. Now, we told this story to this lady. She was just amazed. She was just amazed. I didn't say to her, now get her down on your knees and repent, <laughs> become a Christian. Boom, 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 boom. We don't know what impact that will have. God knows. But you see, by our testimony, by our compassion, we can all play our part. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Apollos planted the seed. 
I watered it, but God made it grow. In other words, we can all play our part. This side of heaven, we may not know what impact that little word has had, that little kind action has had. We may not know. But I think one of the reasons we're going to have so long in eternity is because we will be meeting so many people who will recognise us. We may not recognise them, but they'll recognise us and come up to us and say, do you remember that day at the bus stop? I just heard that my mother had died and I was really upset and you just sensed it and you just spoke to me and just shared a little word of comfort and I never forgotten that and years later when I became a Christian I remembered that 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 was part of me coming to see what Jesus was like I believe there's going to be a multitude of those kind of events in eternity So don't say, I can't preach. Probably that's right. Not everybody is called to be a preacher. But you can testify. But what about the other bit? Well, I might be able to share a kind word or tell them what Jesus means to me, but heal the sick, raise the dead? Well, Actually, none of us can do that. None of us. Even doctors can't do it. They only enable it. But how were the disciples sent out? Jesus gave them authority. The Greek is exousia, the right to do something. Executive power. And of course, in the Luke version, Luke adds that he also gave them power. Dunamis, from which we get the English word dynamite. So we not only have the right to pray for healing for the sick, but we have the power to do it. Of course we don't always see them instantly healed. But we can nevertheless pray. And not begging for it. Oh Lord, please, this person is so sick. Please help them. No. In Jesus' name, we declare healing. Whether they're healed like that or somewhere down the road is not our responsibility we can do it because Jesus has given us the authority and the power to do it but our reading ends with these words Freely you have received, freely give. I don't think it's an accident, it's never an accident with what Jesus says, that he puts it there 
because in Luke we read that it was the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. But what are we going to do with it? Are we going to keep it to ourselves? There's not a huge number of occasions in the Gospels when Jesus had a very strong word of, of criticism. There's some, usually for the religious type, but not often. But one of his strongest words was in the parable of the talents, for the one person who buried their talent, who didn't use it for multiplication. Freely you have received, freely give. Jesus hasn't given us authority and power, hasn't given us good news, hasn't given us new life to keep it to ourselves. We are to give it away because the reality is that the more you give it away, the more you get. And that's not the reason to give it away, by the way. The more you give it away, the more you get. And the more you get, the more you've got to give it away. Freely you have received, freely give. But finally... It's always dangerous when a preacher says that. (laughs) Finally, the bottom line is not that you're called to be harvest workers. That's an outpouring. That's an outworking. The bottom line is the counter to those objections. Who am I to tell others about Jesus? Who am I? to pray healing for somebody. You see, the bottom line is that you are a child of God. That's your identity. You're not, first of all, a member of this church. You're not, first of all, even a harvest worker. You are first of all a child of Almighty God. You are a a son and a daughter with whom, as we were reminded earlier, our Father is well pleased. He's not always pleased with what we do. He's not always pleased with what we say. He's not always pleased with the way we behave. But when he looks at us, he thinks, that's my son, that's my daughter. There's a work in progress and I'm really pleased with you. So you see, stop thinking what you can't do. Stop thinking that you're not good enough. You're a waste of space. You're not. You are a child 
of Almighty God. And he is the one who has called you to be harvest workers. He is the one who has given you the authority and the power to be those harvest workers. However little part you play, very few are called to be Billy Grahams or J. Johns. But we're all to play our part. It's great that you're going to have this afternoon a new minister wherever he's hiding. (laughs) And if he stays in hiding, you've got his beautiful wife and wonderful children. But seriously, remember, it's not all down to him. It's down to you all. He's here to lead you. He's here to help equip you to be harvest workers. But he's not the sole harvest worker. That's my message. Let's pray. Father, you see a harvest and there have been prophetic words of recent days that there is a new harvest coming in our land and Father we long for it but let's stop looking to others to bring it in let's stop thinking that only those who have titles and wear funny clothes are to bring that harvest in help us to listen and heed to that ancient call of Jesus Pray the Lord of the harvest and then see that we are the answer to that prayer. And help us to remember that we are your children first and foremost. That we may see that harvest in. We may see those helpless and harassed people like sheep without a shepherd brought into the kingdom. For your glory we ask.